With everyone ordered to stay at home and Broadway shut down, some are turning to virtual reality to get their theater fix. I'm Roger Chang, and this is your Daily Charge. With me is Scott Stein, guru of all future things, in particular VR. Scott, thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks. I'm glad to be on. So you've got an interesting piece on VR as immersive theater. Now, I know you're a big fan of immersive theater, but what, what is this experience like? What, what is this experience about? Sure. So for a couple of months now, uh, there's been a game or an experience in VR uh, called The Under Presents that um, was created by Tenderclaws along with a theater company called Piehole um, and with Oculus. And it is a game, but it also has actors performing in it. So they created this as a way to look at immersive theater and VR. That was back in November. And it was supposed to stop with the live performances in March. Then coronavirus happened and they decided to extend the performances. For these actors, this is now their, their main job. And it's also been an opportunity to look at how this experience can grow what what theater really is in VR. It's taken on a different meaning. So I thought it would be great to revisit and talk to these actors about what they've been learning. And what is that experience like? You've obviously you've you've tried it. You've uh, you've been in this immersive world. What is it like? Yeah, so it's not like theater the way you'd expect it. And it's also not like Zoom theater. And I want to say that because all of a sudden now we are surrounded by Zoom as a theater experience. And now that's, you know, you look at Saturday Night Live, you look at uh, Hamilton. Uh, I had a friend who acted in something. That's where everybody's in a grid talking. You get the opposite here. You don't get faces and you don't get eyes. You get cartoon characters because that's what VR can do right now graphically. And we can't scan our faces. And you're moving through that space, but what you do get is a lot of movement, the hands, uh, fi- uh, body movement. The actors can talk, but you can't. So if you ever have been to a th- immersive theater experience, usually in big cities, a famous one is Sleep No More. You wear a mask and you're not allowed to speak. That's kind of what it's like. You're an observer moving through the space, able to move your hands and do a few things, but not much more than that. So, you know, with a lot of theater or, or even cinema, right, the idea, uh, the point is you sort of connect with the performers, right? You can sort of see their eyes, you can sort of see in their facial recognition, the facial expressions, uh, what the story about, what, what this what this whole experience is about, but you can't do that with this VR experience. So, like, how was that like? Like, how did you connect with the performance if you couldn't really necessarily connect with the performers? What's really wild is the subtlety of it. And when you go in, you think, how is this going to work? Then you, and, not, and there aren't always actors. It's like a, you know, an, an, or, or other people. Sometimes they'll pop up. Sometimes you're alone. And there are other things like a game to do. When you find someone, um, they will acknowledge you. And if you're another perform, if you're another audience member, it could be like a little tip of the head or movement of the hands. There's also some like magic gestures and things you can do, like con- you could take off your mask and conjure weird things. That's like a, another part of the game. But the performers have a different dashboard. They can see who's coming and going, and they even know who individuals are, not who they are, but they can find individual, you know, anonymous identities. So they have regulars. And in a sense, they can craft the performances to kind of see if they want to kind of get a feel for that. So they said as they go, they start to develop this relationship, even with actor, even with audience members who can't speak to them, which sounds weird, but it's it's wild. 
No, that's fascinating. Like, and how many times have you done this experience? How many times have you gone in? I've gone in like uh, like somewhere in like the the over a dozen, less than fifty. You know, like I would say in, in some sort of realm like that, far less than what uh, what what regulars would be doing. Right, but that I mean that's still a decent number of uh, visits, right? So I'm I'm just curious how the experience has evolved over time, especially as you've gone back in. Because I'm assuming they know it's well, not you per se, but they know that you're like a regular. Um, has performances like how have they evolved over time? So I didn't get a chance this weekend, unfortunately, to do what what is a new thing where they're expanding into a variety, a larger variety performance, where they're trying to build out the theatricality. But when you find someone, it I found them to be v- v- very simple, very direct, like little, almost like mime performances where you kind of go with them and do something for a bit. Um, and you wonder, well, what am I supposed to be doing right now? And you think, okay, well, should I stop? Should I do something else? And you kind of, almost like improv, you kind of just start doing this thing and it seems kind of silly, but you're all doing it together. And there's something comforting in that. That's how I found it is, is, is it's not like a, it's not Shakespeare, but it is um, these little moments. And what I think about that is like, it's the beginning of something. So um, if that answers it, like it, it feels like like little, little dives. And I think they're also acknowledging that like, unlike theater, where you're going to be there for two hours, I could take off this headset in five minutes, or I could keep it on for an hour. And they have to address both sides of that. Um because like you're not going to want to necessarily spend a finite long amount of time in VR. Right. Now, <clears throat> there's an interesting point in your story when one actor talks about people, you know, getting more violent in the virtual world. I have a lot of questions about that, but th- the idea was like this was sort of a reaction to our lockdown situation, potentially the manifestation of our frustration, but like how how did that work? Like do people when he says getting violent, like what does that actually mean? Are people like attempting to attack the performers virtually or, or what did that actually mean? Yeah, that's a good question. And, and this is something that I, I talked with them for about an hour and a half. So I was like trying to put this into one story that um, made sense to clarify, like on that, there, there are only so many actions in the game. It was interesting. I think what the actors were doing was observing more micro emotions. Like, so they were saying that they, they felt that people seem more violent, that they were getting into people's spaces more. But also, and, and not to speak on their behalf, but there are there are some things you can do, like there are certain items, like um, it could be like a knife or like, you can't shoot people, but like, y- you know, like there are, there are props in the world. And I think if you, you know, bring them close to somebody, you could kind of do that and make it look like you were, you know, bludgeoning somebody. But like, you know, I think that that's about it. And the person does not die. It's just like, but the play acting of it, in a way, it's like a play acting out. And I think there's also like the idea of like uh, respectful spaces, standing back versus getting in people's faces. Um, and so it sounded like in the beginning, it was like a, a pushy, intense, uh, Dasha Kittredge was another a- actor in the show. So there's a more intense, needy sort of feel, but then it became more about emotional like reception and kind of became kinder over time where people... I thought that was amazing to hear. I also thought it was interesting how they observed how we perform and how like, like that, um, like that laughter seems like choking, you know, that if you see someone laugh and then people would start to enhance those gestures, like a, like emoji, you know, they start to do these things that 
represent certain emotions. So it's like they're becoming these like mime performers. Um, There's also, by the way, there's also a whole discord group for the under presents that they said works basically like a, like a very active chat where people are also sharing secrets, kind of like an animal crossing secrets. You have the unders present secrets and they have different totems they carry around and ways to represent themselves. So like a whole new sub language is emerging, which is a little crazy and intimidating if you're a first timer. But I think that's a really interesting thing that happens in a lot of like really invested worlds. Well, so this is interesting because it it seems like there is obviously a barrier to entry with this, right? You you obviously need to have the hardware. What is for the minimum threshold? Like what what is the type of gear that you need to actually take part in this experience? Yeah, so you you need a VR headset and you you do need certain types of VR headsets. Um, It started out on Oculus with Quest and Rift and... um, and then it is moved onto Steam VR. But what you need versus the old phone VR and cardboard headsets, you know, or even Oculus Go, which was before Quest, the real limit there is you can't move your hands around. So like things that have a six degree of freedom or, or the ability to do not hand tracking, it, but in the future it might be that too. It's the controllers that can make your hands move. I think that's really important because without that, you are just kind of like doing this. So your hands kind of become the way you you act. So could you, like, if you had just an Oculus Go, could you experience this or would, would, oh, it wouldn't work at all? Yeah, you need a Quest, you need a P, or, or now with a PC VR headset that can get into Steam. But still, that that's a limited group of people, VR headsets. Is, are, that, is that also HTC Vive or? Yeah, so anything that can use Steam. So so you could, use okay. a, you could use a Vive, you could use... I think you, Microsoft VR. A lot of a lot of PC VR headsets now can hook into uh, Steam in in different ways. And gotcha. but yeah, but you still need the gaming PC. Um, it's definitely limited. And I think that's the big point in VR is that right now VR has its own set of apps versus the world of apps that we live in, which are the phone, uh, you know, Google, Apple, uh, your, your PC, your Mac. I think in the future, those are obviously going to dovetail, but we haven't seen that yet, really. So um, it, and I think that's the hard part is you think, well, what do I need to buy extra versus what can I use that I already have? So look, VR has been, I know, and I know VR has been on the rise just because like you can't buy an Oculus Quest right now. Those things are pretty much sold out. Uh, even Facebook has talked about, you know, the, the kind of success it's had with that gear. And, and obviously we've, We've got a captive audience with VR right now. People are literally stuck at home, uh, and you know, VR is a is an ideal form of escape. But do you think VR theater has legs as an experience that can appeal to people even after lockdown ends, and we we all go back out to the real world? Yeah, totally. I do. I, I think that what we're looking at now is like the beta test that was already in the works, but has now reached like a different level of intensity because you have a captive, a, a global captive audience. Um, that, that is trying to figure these things out, work tools, um, ways to connect. But companies had already been trying to figure this out, you know, how to telepresence. We'd seen this at Mobile World Congress and other places. You looked at stuff. There were, you know, ways to project yourself other places. Now it's just taken on a different level of intensity. But I think it's interesting because like immersive theater, for instance, or even theater, is a really hard thing to experience for a lot of people. You, you, you know, we live in New York where you take that for granted that you can go see a show. Even then, the tickets are expensive and hard to come by. 
And immersive theater is like a rare flower of a thing that pops up and disappears. And really, it's a privilege to go to those things. I hope it doesn't cannibalize those worlds, but I think it can definitely expand the reach of that to do things that you could, you know, other people can't get to or want to build. Maybe it's like a directing tool. I was asking them about uh, Tender Claws, about who, who created this, about act, uh, audience members performing more. Build, building it as a creative tool. It sounds like they're not ready to do that yet. Not that they're not interested, but it's a different thought process. And I think that right now it's working well for what they've got and they're going to keep expanding it. But I think about like, you know, what if you got a bunch of actors or a bunch of people uh, building an experience together um, or do improv or whatever, you know, and, and we could use it like that. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a lot of possibilities. Awesome. All right. That's a wrap. You can check out Scott's story and all of our VR coverage on CNET.com. If you have any questions, leave us a voicemail at 862-250-5713. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening.